this universe, we look at a lot of things like failure is not such a bad thing. If you're not failing, you maybe you're not trying hard enough. Welcome to Ending Bo Burn Pending Inside. <laughs> I'm Andy Bo Burn. I'm Andy Rand. And, uh, this is uh, Bo Burn Andy. Um, my stupid friends are having stupid children, and I'm Evan. I uh, am am a, am a sensitive, little emotional baby, and I haven't I haven't checked in on the Burnham yet, but I, I plan to with with lots of of proper mental preparation. And I'm Ronnie. <laughs> Ending Pending is a podcast. If you can tell by those introductions, Ending Pending is a podcast where we discuss uh, comedy specials that have come out on Netflix. <laughs> we are currently covering Bo Burnham's Inside. And uh, you should watch it before we talk about it. We are not. We are not. We're it, not but if that. you haven't seen, if you haven't seen Inside, uh, you should emotionally prepare, and then watch it because yeah. it's really fucking good. It's really good. It's really good. It's really good. I hope Bo Burnham knows that he's like a genius, and I don't mean like when people say that someone is a comedic genius, which really means that they're just a, like a sack of shit. He's not a comedic genius. He is like an artistic genius. He is very, 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 very talented. Yeah. Um, I've been watching a bunch of interviews with him from like 2018 where uh, he was talking about his previous latest comedy special, which caused him to retire from comedy uh, from like 2015. And uh, he was talking about how much lighting means to him and how intentional he was with the lighting. And listening to those interviews after having watched Inside, which is him obsessively programming and dealing with and planning with lighting and doing incredible things with lighting, uh, was just like, damn, like consistency, consistency. Yeah. 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 These interviews are from three years ago. And like, he really put the effort in and like did some incredible shit. Yeah, watch Inside. Stop listening to this podcast. You're, we already got the download, so like, turn this yeah. shit off and go watch Inside. It's really good. Is that the bit? Is that your bit? That's not the bit. Okay. Uh, Ending Pending is a podcast where we discuss television shows which only last for a single season. Currently covering NBC's uh, the, uh, the Freaks and Geeks. That's there the name of this go. show. Freaks and Geeks. I landed it. But before we get into that, oh, we covered episodes 12... 13, 11, 12, 13? Uh, uh, I think no. it was 13, 14, uh, 13, 14, 15. Okay, 13, 14, 15. I'm just going off what Evan has pulled up in front of me here on the Wikipedia. <laughs> um, you, but, I had not scrolled down yet. Yeah, yeah you really you. fucked me. You really sandbagged me. <laughs> uh, but before we get into those episodes, I've got a bit for us. Yeah, give me the bit. What's the bit? I'm hungry for it. Hungry for it? I crave the bit. Uh, it's Pride Month. Woo! Woo! Gay wrath. Uh, <laughs> cops don't belong at Pride. We're just gonna get that out of the way right now. That's certainly uh, true. I just wanted to highlight different uh, queer creators y'all are digging right now. It could be an author. It could be um, maybe a podcast you're listening to. But I just thought if we each just like threw a uh, a queer content creator out there that we like a la trans artist of the day which is a twitter account which highlights a different trans creator every every day and they're amazing um but yeah i just thought maybe we could uh we could do that Mm, mm. 
Sounds good to me. I'll go first. Um, my so I went to college in New Jersey, and uh, one of my professors who I credit with kind of like opening my eyes. I was not like a total shithead in college, but as a as a cis presumably presumed to be cis uh boy, I I was kind of a shithead, and I credit. Uh, this professor was really kind of like shaking me awake and and making sure that I understood the privilege and and uh, and just awareness that I should have of that privilege. And that's uh, that's Dr. Sheena Howard. Um, she's amazing. Uh, she is the uh, first black woman to win an Eisner Award. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, she she won for her book, uh, Black Comics, Politics of Race and Representation. Um, she has a ton of books out uh right now um uh black queer identity matrix uh encyclopedia of black comics um and uh recently she put out a novel called nina's whisper um which is a a queer romance a dark romance um you know very uh you just gotta read it it's very good uh wlw um uh, very lived in, very, very experienced, uh, speaking to, uh, abuse and, um, you know, kind of breaking free from that, uh, cannot recommend it highly enough. Uh, that's Nina's whisper. And, uh, she also is working on a graphic novel that will be available soon with, with an artist that she's working with. And, and she sends out like I, I'm on her her email list for for all the different grants and things that are available to to uh, queer and black creators. Uh, and it's just awesome that I also have her number and you can just text her and be like, hey, uh, think about you. Let me know if, if you know, you're around. It'll be I, I very excited to run out and have lunch with her once uh, once I feel safe enough to do so. Um, it is just extremely, extremely cool to have someone like that. Uh, in my network, and so yeah, that's you, so awesome. You should go check out Doctor Sheena Howard. Uh, When's she, she is, coming on the show? Uh, it's a good question. I'll have to see if there's any if there's any one season shows that she's really digging or really really disliked, uh, because she would be an excellent person to criticize uh, or or just critique, uh, analyze media in, in this sense uh, from a you know from from her very unique perspective. Uh, I would love awesome, to have her awesome. on for that. Yeah. Shouts, shouts to you, Sheena. Um, so the only person that came to mind in this kind of, uh, uh, you know, sudden prompt that Andy gave us was, uh, KD Edwards. That's the initials K period D Edwards. Um, he's a novelist who wrote the tarot sequence. Um, and I follow him on Twitter. It's a big queer fantasy series. The third one is coming out soon. Very good series. Uh, and I just think he's real interesting because, uh, like he didn't become a published author until like fairly late in life. And he's very transparent about it. And it's just, just an interesting, interesting person to follow and a good book series. This is like a, you know, traditionally published, book series you can get this you can get this in regular places but it's all about it's all gay it's all just gay stuff it's all gays 
Sounds cool. Yeah, it's good. What's I've read the about? first two. Um, so it's like it, it would be categorized as urban fantasy. Uh, it's about like the the Fey Court, which is all in this universe, sort of based around the the major arcana of the like tarot deck. Uh, they have basically like colonized a part of the human world. They've they've taken over. I think it's the island of Nantucket, and they just live there now. And they have their own like independent Fey kingdom in the human world, and uh, it follows uh, sort of, I guess, ex royal whose house was destroyed and who now works as uh, like a private eye slash. Illicit odd jobs, dude. <laughs> and, um... He's, he's having adventures. He's having adventures. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can get Love down with that. Mm-hmm. Andy, what about you? <sighs> there are so many people I want to shout out here. Um, I am going to say that Force Friends Rewatch has been teaming up with a ton of queer Star Wars content creators. So if you are not listening to... That podcast, uh, you should go check it out because we've had uh, Chase from That Gate Jedi and the amazing cosplayer Becca Soka on there. We had Brian from Pink Milk and uh, I was just on Pink Milk. Uh, my audio is terrible. It's very embarrassing, but the episode is still very good. Uh, so, I mean, all of the creators who have been teaming up with us over there and um, they're all amazing and all of their shows are great. So check them out. Um, Charlie Artlet is an artist uh, who uh, is on Twitter that I really I really love their artwork um, and I'm hoping to commission them shortly. And uh, they've been doing a bunch of Hades art and they're working on their own novel and have been posting like character art and stuff from it. And their characters are all queer and beautiful and incredible. And uh, I can't wait to read this book uh, because it. It looks like the sort of queer fantasy stuff that I'm very into. Uh, My Gay Agenda is a uh, queer-led podcast which talks to different uh, queer creators and talks to them about, you know, coming out and their identity and what they're doing. And uh, it's just an incredible interview podcast. So if you're looking for... Uh, you know, to find one other queer content, they're a great place to to listen. And the two hosts uh are just fucking top notch people. So yeah, that was rapid fire, like way more prompts, but it's uh I listen to a lot of queer stuff, so it's hard to just pick one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm definitely forgetting people who I wanted to shout out. Oh, our friends, uh, our friends from Paperboat. Literally every yeah. single one of them is incredible. JV reads the T. Uh, I was about to say the Adventure Zone, but that's not fucking right. Um, nope. No, the Adventure Creature, Zone is Creature also straight people. Creature Report is great. Uh, I was thinking about the one where they play uh, losers. Oh. Uh, the the losers of love story and a horror borealis. borealis. Yeah, a horror borealis. A horror borealis. Incredible. The universe that you are actually a part, part of. of. <laughs> totally blind. That's what you totally brain farted. 
<laughs> yeah, I love that show, and uh, I could not remember the name of it. But yeah, there sure. everyone over on Paperboat is just an absolute rock star, and uh, it's that weird thing where uh, I've become friends with them, but I'm also a fan, and so it's yep. it's that awkward of like. Hey, I want to tell you how much I love your work and how much it like means to me and has emotionally impacted me. But mm-hmm. also we're friends and I don't know if that would be weird now if I was like your podcast made me have to pull over so I could cry really quick and then continue driving. I- but yeah, their work is uh fucking great. So I'm uh, I'm yep. going to shout them out. Excellent. Go go support your local local queers, your local queer creators. Yeah, it's there's important. There's a ton of great people out there doing great stuff. Yeah, it's Pride Month, which means you have to give uh, money to a queer. Uh, it's the mm-hmm. law. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. And if you want to give us money, uh, we have a Patreon. We are we are yeah. we are some queers. Yeah, you can give us money. You can pay your dues to us directly, or also to <laughs> Paperboat, or you can buy Katie Edwards's books, or uh, you can buy um, Doctor Sheena sorry. Howard's books. Doctor Sheena Howard's yeah. books. I mean, it's whisper. It's very, it's it's very good. Very, very, very raw. Very touching, but but very good. Fo- follow uh, my gay agenda and trans artists of the day, and you'll find a ton of awesome other queer creators out there to support. Yeah, yeah. So Evan, tell us, tell us. We watched three episodes of Freaks and Geeks. I guess. Tell us about them. Okay, fine. That's your. That's your. Yeah, Evan, you have I know. one job. No, I got it. No, I got so- it. I got it. No, my my one job, my one job is to um is to be the depressing one. Is my job is to hate things. That's my job. Uh, my summaries are my side hustle. All right, <laughs> you do that for the love of the game. Yeah, I, I do that because uh, I, I care. Um, episode thirteen <laughs> is called "Choking and Token." Which yeah. both of these words, these words rhyme, but they shortened <laughs> them. They put an N on the, they put, instead of an I-N-G, you know, they put an N. To token, be fair. Token. To be fair. Who token. says toking? I, I don't know anybody who says token at all. I don't know. Like, that's I don't think fair. that's a thing that we use anymore in society. The only it, reason I even, I know what it is, is because that one song where uh midnight toker or whatever it is um and on the new new jersey boardwalk it is easy to find a shirt with uh three weed themed uh pocket monsters on it and it says tokemon mm, mm. um that sounds that, like that, something you could find on the yeah. new jersey boardwalk that that's my cultural touchstone for the word yeah. toke toking um anyway uh, Jason Siegel's character, uh, smokes a lot of pot as has, has been pointed out in previous episodes and Lindsay criticizes him for it as, like a lot in this episode. So he then criticizes her for being like a square and stuck up and stuff. So she takes some home and smokes it in her bedroom. And then her dad reminds her that she's supposed to be babysitting. So she's really high and she calls Millie for like babysitting backup. And she and Millie co-babysit this kid while Lindsay is, like, still really high and just, like, freaking out the whole time. She's high for, like, an unrealistically long time. Like, so long. And then she and Millie, 
like put the kid to bed and have a conversation about God and the dog. Um, meanwhile, Bill, who is Sam's friend, is super, super allergic to peanuts, and he mentions it in class to the teacher he has a crush on. And one of the annoying kids thinks that he's lying, so the annoying kid puts peanuts in Bill's food, and Bill obviously goes into anaphylactic shock, and the annoying bully kid uh, feels bad, so he goes to the hospital, and he thinks Bill is unconscious, and he confesses that he secretly thinks Bill is cool. And once Bill recovers... He invites the bully kid to a comic book convention and the bully kid kid is like, like, no, fuck you, I guess. And that the status quo is maintained. The bully kid does not like become friends with them, which I guess I'm kind of glad didn't happen. But anyway, the episode just ends where it started. A lot of PSA vibes in this episode. A yeah. lot, lot of PSA, a lot of don't smoke pot, a lot of uh, anaphylaxis is real. PSA. I feel like all three of these were kind of like on a very special episode of Freaks and Geeks. 13 especially was. Yeah, that was the most obvious of them. It it felt like an after school special or Mm -hmm. it was, yeah, oh boy. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Uh, Episode 14, Dead Dogs and Gym Teachers. No rhyming in there. It's a a diptych like (laughs) many of them have been, but no, this doesn't rhyme. Whatever. Uh, Lindsay accidentally runs over Millie's dog while she's driving around with Kim and Millie doesn't see who did it, but she's really distraught. So Lindsay and Kim don't tell her that they did it. And Millie goes into a sort of depressive spiral where she starts doing like rebellious stuff because she's sad about her dog and like nobody is willing to criticize her because she's like in mourning or whatever. Uh, so Lindsay and Kim are concerned that Millie is going to, like, do something, like, kind of, like, rash, like, because she's suddenly interested in, like, alcohol and going to concerts and stuff. And so Lindsay and Kim come clean about the dog thing, and Millie takes it really badly and runs home and cries, and I don't don't know if that friendship will recover. Um, Meanwhile, Bill, same Bill... Sam's friend from last time, uh, Bill finds out that his mom has been dating the gym teacher and he takes that really badly, even though to this point, the gym teacher has been like a really good dude, as we've remarked on several times. And there's no really good reason for Bill to be a douche to him, to be honest, besides just this generic, like him being protective of his mom, I guess. But the gym teacher makes a lot of very sincere like, good faith, well-intended attempts to connect with Bill, and Bill is just kind of a jerk to him about it. Uh, episode 15 is called Noshing and Moshing. Uh, we find out that James Franco's character has a sad, depressing home life, and that's why he's such a screw-up, you know? He's got a depressing home life, and his house is shitty, and his mom is taking care of everyone, and his dad has some kind of undefined illness, and uh, just everything is really bad. So I get, like, he's already, like, in the burnout crew, but I guess this episode needed to find a way for him to rebel more, a more extreme way for him to rebel, so he gets into the punk scene. He starts going to <laughs> punk stuff, and he puts some goop in his hair, like a punk 
kid, you know, and he, he goes to like some kind of punk underground bar with this girl that he used to date and uh, like is very concerned about like being perceived as a poser and is very determined to like be a good a good punk boy. Um, meanwhile, uh, who's the other, Neil, Neil, the other, uh, one of Sam's friends, uh, we, we have to revisit this cheating storyline from a few episodes ago. Um, he's trying to decide whether he should tell his mom that his dad is cheating and also his brother comes to town and he tries to decide if he should tell his brother that his dad is cheating and so he gets really into this ventriloquism dummy as, like, a way of coping. So he's carrying this ventriloquism dummy around everywhere and doing, like, joke acts. And, uh, like, he, at a party, uses this ventriloquism dummy to, like, vicariously critique his dad. And his dad is, like, angry about it. And so he talks to his mom, finally, Neil does, and, uh, it turns out that Neil's mom knows that the dad is cheating and is, like, not, she's not okay with it, but she's just, like, coping with it so that they don't have to get a divorce and, like, disrupt Neil's childhood or something, uh, which is not healthy, but, uh, okay, it's, this seems to be sort of as close to a resolution as we're going to get on on that. Uh, also, there's like a, there's an A plot and there's a B plot and then there's like a C plot where uh, like this guy is harassing this girl in the hallway and Lindsay comes to her defense and Lindsay gets detention and um, gets really irate that she can't do her homework in detention and critiques the whole like school punishment industrial complex basically and that's it that's it well done dear uh, thanks that was yeah that was very very uh, encompassing um and there were three there were three episodes that evan just talked about and mm -hmm. so you know i gotta ask it hey andy hey ronnie these three episodes of nbc's freaks and geeks did they work for you so, I know that, like, I have a shtick that is so easily definable that Ronnie can turn it into a meme on the ending, whoa, 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 whoa. On the ending pending Twitter account. The, the, the uh, sentient ending pending Twitter account is doing those things independent of Ronnie. Of Ronnie, it's just, okay. It's just weird when I make memes about myself and post them. Yeah, <laughs> if, want, if you're not want... following the ending pending Twitter account, by the way... Ronnie is killing it because we were uh, late this week. He's just filling it with memes, and they're all very funny. Uh, but I just—I I felt bad because, like, all I tweet about these days is like, "Hey, ending pending's canceled. Hey, ending pending's coming out a couple days late," and that's not a fun follow. No. So here you can have some memes. The memes are great. Uh, there is an a plot pretty much in each of these episodes that I thought worked really well. And then a plot that really sucked. I think the reason why I'm going to say that as a whole, these three episodes didn't work is because episode 13 as a whole is fucking garbage. It's just so weird and bad. And like, 
constantly looking into the camera as characters are like, take peanut allergies seriously, mm-hmm. or like, marijuana's bad for you. That, like, because 13 is so garbage, even though there are parts of 14 and 15 that I did really enjoy, I'm going to say as a whole, these three didn't work. And I know that that was a really long answer for what should have been a yes or no, but that's my logic. I'm sticking to it. Uh, yes. Sounds good. Sounds, sounds, sounds decisive. I love it. I love to see it. I don't know. I don't know if that's decisive or not, but. (laughs) Hey, Evan. Yes, Ronnie. We've watched uh, three episodes uh, of Linda Cardellini's Freaks and Geeks, and you know I gotta ask it. Uh, Did they work for you? No, not really, unfortunately. I, I just don't. I don't feel like watching this. It's not It's not keeping my attention, and I will fully admit that some of that has got to do with stuff that has become a cliché since they came out, feeling like a cliché, even though I know that they weren't responsible for that. But, man, Andy's right. That PSA episode was kind of, like, weak and weird, and the the it bothers me very much that this status quo is maintained between episodes and characters don't grow and change and I don't like it. So no, sorry. Sorry, CC, if you're listening, sorry. <laughs> I was going to say who you apologize. To? I, don't think, I don't think Seth Rogen is listening to our podcast, but yeah, CC might be. Um, and I will, I, I, I'll, I'll wait, I'll wait for the, I'll wait for, for, for someone to ask me. If the show, I'll just sit here and wait and make oh. see if anyone's gonna hey. ask me. Hey, oh hey, hey Ronnie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey Ronnie. Uh, you know hey, these yeah. three episodes of Freaks and Geeks that we watched? I think I recall. I think I remember them. <laughs> did uh, did they work for you? Did they did they uh, tickle your fancy? Well, tickle your fan, tickle my fancy, and did they work for <laughs> me? Are two different questions. I feel like. Uh, I think they did work for me. Um. Now that you're you're like talking and and I'm marinating on episode thirteen, I think I I like enjoy, not enjoyed, but like definitely didn't hate it as much as y'all did. But now that you're talking about it, it's like yeah, that actually did suck uh, <laughs> a lot. Um, I I think they did work for me. Um, I don't really know if it like is is a huge. This is something that, that like, what is it? Uh, this is the fourth episode we're covering it, and we've got, like, a couple to go. I think for myself, trying to decide what worked and what didn't work is trite at this point because we're repeating a lot of things. There's some things I want to talk about and some, like, guess guess what, uh, meme meme kings out there. Some headcanons that I have about mm. what this show actually means. Mm. Um, but overall, I think that, like, the the even though like the 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 stakes are always very formulaic and always like like you said Evan kind of just like fall through and the status quo is maintained no matter what like because this is not like a uh, we actually on episode what was it fifteen or we watched yeah fifteen they had like a last time on um freaks and geeks and i was like mm-hmm. ooh is something coming back and it was just the cheating the yeah. cheating dad thing which was like the least interesting thing that this show yeah. is, was doing um th- that's not where i wanted to like you know be serialized um 
but uh, overall, I just I, I I did I did enjoy it. I think that some of the character dynamics are still working, and even though the stakes are hollow, um, we are getting more characterization in those moments. I did enjoy what we learned about James Franco's character. Like that did kind of flesh him out a little bit more, even though it was kind of like a weird turnabout to be like, well, I'm already a high school burnout. Now I'm a, um, I'm a maybe drop out of high school punk. Um, but we'll get into that. We'll get into that. I do have a couple of positive things to say. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about what worked for us and I'll sprinkle in a couple of segments that I have, uh, as we go along. I have a weird piece of praise, a, a weird. Uh, so you just backhand this compliment all the no, way across the podcast. It, is a, it is a real compliment, but I like it kind of has nothing to do with anyway. Um, in episode 15, there's uh, like a sub sub subplot where Neil's brother, who I guess is in college, comes back to town for like the weekend for this party that they're having. Is he the elf from the Santa Claus? Yes, yes, he, he is. is. Mm. And David Crumholtz, I think his name is. Yes, that's that is in fact his name. I looked him up because I wanted to talk about him. Um, <laughs> so this guy, David Crumholtz, is he's he's like pretty average looking, but he has an inexplicable charisma about him that I Mm -hmm. am just drawn to for reasons I cannot explain. And I wanted to give them a compliment on that casting because he has the exact sort of charisma that somebody's older brother in college has when you are in high school. So of course, like every show that's about high school, they cast people who aren't actually in high school. So it doesn't really feel like you're in high school when you're hanging out with these, you know, young adults who they cast to play high schoolers. But I will say I did feel uh, an inexplicable draw to this quote unquote older kid who came back from college. And it's because this actor just has this like this strange, delightful, like, I definitely turned. I definitely him. turned gay because I saw the Santa Claus <laughs> at a very young age, and, yeah. and Bernard the Elf uh, awoken some feelings in me. Yeah, the, the, even as an, the Elf in the Santa Claus, everyone on the internet, like kind of jokingly but not jokingly, calls him like the hot Elf from the Santa Claus. And like I said, he is like pretty ordinary looking. I think he's just got he's got a charisma. He's got this un, unquantifiable, yes, yeah. exactly, unquantifiable charisma that just makes him so appealing to watch. So excellent casting there, and I love that actor. And like, just good job on that whole thing. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> he he always every time I see him, I have to like this. This is young. David Krumholtz, when as he gets older, I do have to do a stop, and I'm like, is that Jake Johnson from New Girl, or is that David Krumholtz? And I knew right away, because this is like, this is prime the Santa Claus years. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that, that, that sticks out. But the older he gets, I'm like, is that? Sometimes I'm even like, is that Oscar Isaacs? But there, I mean, there's, the, there's a different kind of charm there that is, uh, mm-hmm. is pretty... Uh, 
uh, incredible. Um, and oddly enough, another character who did that for me was um, Mrs. Havichuk. Um, I could have sworn up and down that she was played in the uh, peanut allergy episode by Leah Remini from like King of Queens and stuff like that. And also calling out Scientology uh, all the time with all of her energy. Uh, but it's, but it's uh, an actress named Claudia Christian. Um, and, and there's nothing, nothing interesting about that other than I, I, I have problems with faces apparently. And that, and that is fine. I, am... I thought they recast her. I saw her in the second episode. I was like, is that not Leah Remini? What happened? It's, it was never Leah Remini. Mm. Wild. You were tricked. That is, that is nuts. I also like, um, I, I, I guess... I guess I have mixed feelings about it, but uh, I, I think Andy and I also felt the same way about this. But in the uh, the peanut allergy episode, uh, we were so the bully goes in. Is and this like, a negative? This feels like it's going to be a negative. No, no, no. This is the, I, I've landed on positive in this. Oh, but um, the the bully goes in and like delivers a monologue to what he believes to be an unconscious bill. About how, like, he secretly thinks Bill is cool. And, um, like, he, he wishes that he could do nerd shit, but everybody would make fun of him or whatever. And, um, Bill reveals later that he was, like, semi-conscious and heard him giving this monologue and, like, invites him to, like, go to a comic book convention or whatever with the rest of the nerds. And the bully kid is like, ew, no, I'm not a nerd. Uh, Andy and I were watching this and we were both like, oh, no, he's gonna, like, the bully's gonna be redeemed now. He's gonna be their friend, even though he, like, could have murdered this kid and, like, clearly wasn't really that sorry about it, except for the moment when he thought Bill was, like, literally dying. Um, I'm glad that that did not turn out with, uh, the bully kid being their best friend now, because... That is not what would happen in real life. That's something that happens in television shows sometimes where a bully bullies kids because he thinks they're cool and then like they forgive him and they're all best friends. Uh, but uh, I, I'm glad that I'm disappointed that the status quo was maintained between episodes. I'm disappointed that like that didn't really go anywhere. But also, I'm glad that it wasn't resolved by, like, we're all best friends now, and even though you did, uh, like, truly a lot of harm to me, uh, we're best friends now, and I've forgiven you, and we're never going to talk about it again. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that they did not land where I thought they were going to land there. I still, and I mean, this is a negative now, I still thought it was lame that the bully's motivations are because he wishes he could be as cool as the nerds. He's secretly a nerd, but he, he, he doesn't want to be picked on. So he does the bull like it. I hate, I hate that. Mm -hmm. Like you see it all the time where like, oh, the homophobe is secretly, secretly actually gay, you, you know, like, and this isn't as bad as that, but it's, it's still like a lame move. Like some people are just dicks. Like. You know, it would be different. It would be different if we if these three boys were any kind of intimidating whatsoever or unapproachable, um, like it might hit a little harder. But it's like, 
Like these 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 dweebs, like there's 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 nothing scary about them. Like there's no point at which you'd be like, I don't really know if I can work up the courage to talk to them. It's like, yeah, you could you could just not be a dick and, you know, probably be cool to give a positive. I did really like that. His his dad was chill. I thought for sure when we saw him walking with his dad, that his dad was going to be like really cruel. And that was going to be the explanation. And I was like, oh, no, this is awesome. The dad is really nice. And this kid's a dick just because he's a fucking dick. Yeah. But then they gave him this like kind of tragic, like he he wants to talk about Star Trek and Doctor Who, but he just he's worried he'll be bullied. So he has to he has to be cruel. And it's like, no, it was it was better when he was just a, a jerk. Anywho, there's a positive wrapped in a negative wrapped in. Uh, another negative, but uh, positive on these episodes is good guy Biff, gym teacher. I fucking love it. Yeah. I love, I love how hard he was trying. I love that he seems to have like a really healthy relationship with Bill's mom. I like, and he's just bending over backwards to try and relate to Bill and Bill's weird little friends, even though he has no vines into that world. And it's really, Charming to watch this guy try and be uh, like a positive role model for these kids that he has nothing in common with. It's so genuine. It's so good. He he wants to like take Bill to like a go-kart track or something like that to like bond with him because he like overheard that Bill really wanted to go to this go-kart track. And he uh, like asks, he invites Bill to go to this go-kart track to like have some bonding and all Bill's friends are like, yeah, we want to go. And he taken aback is like, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll take, I'll take all of you. That's cool. I'll take, yeah, <laughs> we're going to, yeah, we're hanging out with your, your little friends. That's great. Cool. Um, yeah. So the, he's a good guy. I'm, I'm frustrated that, uh, there was this well, kind of new manufactured conflict, but he's a good dude and he was uh, great. There's clearly something else going on with Bill yeah. uh, here. Like Bill is like not only like gets upset when he like loses and gets run off the track and go karts, but is like in the car crying um, earlier in the uh, smoke, the choking and token episode. Um, uh, Bill's mom mentions to him that like he was uh, even even his dad was so worried that he had to call him. And when Bill asks, when Bill's mom says someone, we're going to have a guest for dinner, Bill asks if it's going to be his dad. And so like, there's, they're not like hitting it as hard as they could be, which like, I don't know. Sometimes we would, we would probably give it shit for hitting it too hard, but there's clearly something else going on there with Bill that like, but this is the time to drop it because we see good guy Biff just being good guy. And it just like makes Bill less relatable like yeah you know give him a give him a line in the car where he's crying that he explains a little bit of it so we foreshadow it somewhat not just like his tears are supposed to like make us feel sympathy i 100 percent agree with you ronnie um there in in the context of this episode it really just seems like he hates the gym teacher because he's a nerd and he and the gym teacher don't see eye to eye. And that's why he's so upset that the gym teacher is dating his mom. And clearly that's not the case because we've seen on so many occasions that the gym teacher has like stood up for him and him and the gym teacher truly 
have a, a good communicative relationship. I mean, like they've they've stumbled around a few times, but they've really arrived at positive places every time they've had an interaction. The gym teacher has never been anything but, uh, you know, supportive and understanding of the nerds, even though he has nothing at all in common with them. So there's just um, it just feels well, there's. There's there's also like the g- general trope of like my single mom is dating somebody that I know and is like already an authority figure for me. And how does how do I work that out? Which like that's a trope. And I have to imagine in real life it would be kind of weird too. you mentioned that they have a healthy relation or he has like a healthy relationship. He does like at one like the Saturday morning after Bill finds out that his mom is dating the gym teacher. The gym teacher does come out of his mom's room in his boxers to get like something out of the fridge. And it's like, that's, that's sudden mm-hmm. that's soon. Um, but, but you know, th- th- this is a common trope and I think it would be weird. Uh, but, um, they, they have, I think credit to the show that they have done the work up to this point of showing us like, Hey, this guy kind of rules yeah. and like, it's going to be okay. It's not like this is, you know, the end of the line for, for Bill being a good guy. Anyway, po- the positive is Jim teacher's great. Love him. I think that episode left something to be desired, but Jim teacher. Sure. Great. Good, good, good dude continues to be great. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, there is a moment in this episode that I absolutely love where like, um, the guidance counselor, brings him into the office and is, is talking to him and saying like, you know, what's going on? Clearly something's happening. Clearly something's up with you. And Neil's like, nothing, nothing, nothing. I'm fine. It's just bad grades. And he's like, no, 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 this is a warning sign. Like what is wrong? And Neil goes, well, I know that my dad is cheating on my mom and I have to decide whether or not I'm going to tell my mom. And it cuts back to the guidance counselor's face. Who's just like this person who never does anything but talk is completely blank and it immediately cuts to the next scene <laughs> that that guy just had absolutely nothing to do with that. Yeah. It was just absolutely. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, here's a pass. Get back to class. I guess that sucks. Also a very funny line when uh, Millie was getting, uh, you know, indoctrinated into the burnouts a little bit. Um, they were like, oh, we're going to the record store. And Kim was like, yeah, bring you have that big coat with the big pockets. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and, and Millie's like, she loves my big coat. She's been talking about my big coat all day. And Lindsay is just like, please do not bring your big coat. <laughs> and then they don't. It doesn't become a plot point later. It is just a fun line of like, hey, just don't do not bring your, you're going to steal things. Don't bring your coat. Yeah, that was good. That was a good line. I remember. It was fun. That was fun. Um, I like Millie. Uh, Millie, Millie's a good character. Just, just uh, rough that they murdered her dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just really rough to deal with, and uh, it it doesn't really come up again. But like, no. boy, and we didn't know that she had a dog before. Yeah, either, mm-hmm. which is kind of like there's no emotional baggage there. So here's my head can. <laughs> um. So much of what bothers me about this show, and I think what bothers y'all, because we're talking about the status quo and, you know, everything just kind of being the same episode to episode, even if there are slight changes. And even that if that is like 
because shows of this era were not super hyper serialized like they are nowadays um, is kind of like these characters coming coming of age and coming up on these big realizations of life, these big realizations of what like, you know, life is and isn't and and how it's fair or not fair. And then they just don't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. They like in within the limited power they have and the limited, even like the limited, like, you know, circle of their friends they like couch it really, really quickly. There's an episode where this like hit very hard where uh, it's the episode where um, Lindsay's parents find out that Kim like smokes and, and, and has sex with boys and stuff like that. And that makes her a bad person. And like, you know, Kim is having this conversation with Daniel about like, you know, I, I I'm not a bad person just because I like, you know, have fun and, and, you know, am, am sexual and, and, and smoke weed sometimes like that does not like define my identity. And Daniel's kind of like, well, you got to see it from their perspective, you know, like Daniel, who definitely does more drugs and has more sex than Kim is mm -hmm. like, well, I wouldn't want my daughter doing that. Like I wouldn't want my daughter going out and having sex. And it's like, you, you, you tiptoe up to the line of like having a true realization of, you know, maybe maybe this will be different in the future. Maybe this will like change the way that we parent or that we, you know, do things. Um, there's also the episode where like uh, every all of them try and like decide what they want to be when they grow up kind of thing, because Lindsay calls them all kind of like burnouts and like they're they're worthless. Um, and they all kind of like have these grand ideas and then all decide that like, no, probably just going to stay in this town and do the same old thing. And it's kind of like a point of aggression for them, but it's a point of like something they accept. And like, I can't help, but look at, you know, my mom was, uh, she graduated high school in 84. Um, and, and so I can't help but look at her generation and the people, uh, that are, that are her peers and cohorts, you know, even it's a small sample set because it's just the people in my life, but I see those people, as people who are like, well, that's just the way life is. You got to you got to deal with it. Some things are fair. Some things are not fair. And you just got to you just got to roll with it to the point where, like, I wonder how much the, this is being shot in the late 90s by, you know, kids who are a part of a, a much later generation. Um, and it, like, I wonder how much of this is like a commentary on kind of the ineffectual nature of of the teens of that era of the kind of like super duper rebellious always you know didn't their parents of the of the 50s and 60s couldn't rein them in but then when it comes to like life they just kind of like give it all up and they don't really try and push back on the systems that are in place they just roll with it because that's you know what are they going to do about it um there's just so many you know in this ep in these episodes Lindsay, like you said evan Lindsay has like an excellent point about the nature of, of punishment and, and punitive school detentions and, and, and discipline and how like, you're not, we're not learning here. You're just punishing us for the sake of punishing us to keep us in line. But then she does nothing with that, but mm -hmm. she like gets excited about going to college, but like, doesn't, you know, she has power. Like she can talk to the guidance counselor. She can like, there's, there's just like little things you can do. That's like, Hey, this is this little corner of my world 
is not okay and we can do something about that. And maybe that is me approaching it from a very like millennial standpoint, but like it just seems like it, there's so many examples where it's just like they're completely, completely ineffectual, uh, ineffective at like creating the change that they obviously see should happen. And then they just carry on with their lives as normal. Um, again, is that the writers? Is that the the showrunners intent? I don't know. But, you know, I, I know that some of these people have gone on to like higher, like more intellectual projects. And I wouldn't be surprised if like that element of of the show's process was like in their minds as they were creating it. Is that bullshit? Is it bullshit? Did I do no. a bullshit? No, it's not. It's not bullshit. <laughs> it's not bullshit. I'm processing. I don't know. It's just, it's, 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 you know, I, I just think that like, there's so many elements where Lindsay or Kim just kind of like really come up against a thing where it's like, you're there, you get it. Like this could be a moment where this show is really like making you know, not making a difference, but like shows making a point to our, f- it, sh- it shows rebels with a cause. You know what I mean? It shows people that like, yeah, we're fuck ups. Yeah. We get fake IDs and smoke weed, but also we're not like losers. We're not completely worthless as people. And I don't think that the show sees them as worthless as people. I don't see them as worthless as people, but it's just, you know, up against these, these powers that be, they just don't see fit to change anything, which feels extremely like conversations that I've had with my parents, you know, trying to make them understand the issues of today and, and, and you know, how the, they were issues when they were in high school, too. They just, you know, were, were blind feel, to it or I feel didn't like think they could do anything about it. I feel like there's two types of burnouts. There are burnouts who are burnouts because they think it's fun or like they're really spoiled and are trying. Yeah. Yeah. And are just like, this is how they're dealing with being super privileged and spoiled. And then there are burnouts who they see how fucking broken and unfair and unjust the system is. And this is the only way they feel like they can rebel. This is the only power they feel like they have in the situation. And I feel, feel like this show is mostly burnouts in that first category mm-hmm. and uh that's not the most compelling characters like it's so close to saying something about the system in that episode but then it like doesn't quite land on anything i guess yeah. i guess we have to give the show and this is this falls in the category of like giving it credit for being exceptional at the time, but also like acknowledging that it's not exceptional anymore. I guess this Mm -hmm. show brushing up against real issues was a big improvement over like prior high school shows, not even approaching real issues, you know, I guess. I guess approaching it and then not committing probably felt revolutionary compared to, uh, like junk food shows about high school that did not acknowledge in any way the reality of being in high school for the majority of people. Mm-hmm. 
This is um this is like the the queer baiting of high school relatability, you know? <laughs> like mm-hmm. they won't actually commit to talking about like real issues that real people are are dealing with, but they will allude to them in a way that allows you to fill in the blanks on your own and therefore feel more connected to the show, but not make the show do more work. Yeah. Yeah, I just there, there's there's I see these characters in my day to day and like I don't know. I I I I see them grown up. I see them, you know, 40 years after this mm-hmm. and it, it it irks me watching them on this show the same as it irks me watching them in real life, but on the show they're fictional. So it's like <laughs> It, it 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 is probably realistic. Um, again, I don't know if that's like I like I did read in the in the in the uh, trivia section of IMDb while I was just looking up someone's name that the whole um, punk thing was all James Franco's idea and Paul Feig wrote that in. Um, like he he just like jumped on it right away and and James Franco wanted to like have a troubled home life and and go like even more alternative, which is like such a James Franco thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I, I, you know, easily see that they, you know, these characters can certainly insert parts of, you know, what they see in the world into the script, but who knows if they did, I don't know. That's my head can. I mean, I, I, d- I did really like the idea of James Franco's character being like getting to see him be really insecure mm-hmm. and trying to fit into a new, niche and like that is i feel like extremely high school to just be like oh i'm i'm this now and i'm going to like dive into this new subculture and try and fit in and i don't know what i'm doing uh i also just thought it was funny that like franco being super insecure about fitting in is like the least punk thing you can do yeah and like the most punk thing you can do is just like declare your truth and rock out. And that was what Seth Rogen's character did. Yeah. Uh, the, the scene, the scene where he is very, very carefully distressing his leather jacket and jeans so that he can look as punk as possible was like the yeah. least punk mm-hmm. thing that you could. Yeah. Possibly it was imagine. very fun. And, and Seth Rogen just showing up and being like, this is kind of weird. I don't know how I feel about it. And then by the end of it, just like rocking out like super hardcore, but he's wearing like these, very standard like Levi's blue jeans and like uh like a button up or some shit. Uh it was very fun. Um anything that did not work for us. <sighs> episode 13 I was mean, dumb. Episode 13 sucked. Yeah. Uh yeah, it did uh I mean we've already we've already gone over this. I don't I don't want to like harp on it too much, but uh it's it, Everything about Lindsay being high just felt like a don't do weed PSA. Yeah. Um, especially the part like in the beginning, it is sort of uh, like grimly implied that um, um, Jason Siegel's character is like addicted to marijuana. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, sure. There are like psychological dependencies that you can have on any substance. Uh, but we all know, we, we all, we're all adults now in the year of our Lord 2021. We know that pot is not addictive. 
Like it's we know that pot is fine. We so it just it's extra dumb. It just reads as double extra dumb. And then um like the degree to which Lindsay is high and the duration of her being high is just so, so exaggerated. Speaking as someone who does not regularly smoke pot, but has smoked pot enough to like know what the deal is. It's, it's really fine. It's not that, it's not that dramatic. It's really like, it was just a, I don't know. I don't know if they were trying to be a PSA episode. I don't know if they thought it was funny that she was like exaggeratedly high the whole time for like hours and hours and hours. But, um, yeah, it it was just very silly. And then like, I liked the, the peanut allergy subplot a little bit better, I guess, but it also felt weirdly (laughs) like, like a PSA about peanut allergies. And believing people when they tell you they're allergic to Yeah. And wanting to date your teacher, Leslie Mann. Yeah. Um, which was the, the romance between her and Bill was like a huge plot of the, of the, of the episode. Yeah. Um, not romance, but like implied romance one, one, where it was one like, sided, what are, what are, uh, one-sided infatuation. Yeah. Right. But one-sided infatuation that was also like the like the writer certainly wanted us to be like she's got a soft spot for this kid. Mm-hmm. And it's like the the stop stop what you're doing. <laughs> um the like to 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 continue on the PSA element. There's a Jeff the the guidance counselor has uh Franco and and Rogan come into his office and meet a former student who is just who, who's like a former pot pothead mm-hmm. um how oh, i'd forgotten as like a about scared that. straight kind of thing and the guy's just like yeah i saw led zeppelin pay at the pyramids of egypt and and no i saw them play at this place they weren't there but the music was in my brain and just like very very typical like space cadet kind of thing yeah and it was not like it, it the whole thing was like that's how you're going to turn out if you keep smoking marijuana um and this was not stated in the episode but dollars to donuts i bet money that the intention was that that was a total plant that that was just like jeff had his local out of work actor friend come in and like hey can you be really really blitzed for a little bit to show these kids what can happen with this gateway drug um it was it was just like absolutely top to bottom, just like they needed to have a a dare episode. Yeah, it feels like they uh, had to get their government funding somehow so that they mm-hmm. could keep making mm-hmm. the show. Um, which, yeah. um, one thing I forgot to mention that I did like um, is how much I am. Jason Siegel, uh, or was Jason Siegel without the weed, which is like maybe the only fun thing about Jason Siegel is, is him being high all the time. Mm-hmm. I was him without the high in high school, um, writing a song cryptically about a girl that I had a crush on mm. because I wanted to tell that girl how she, how I felt when that girl super definitely already knew what knew how I felt because I was not shy or subtle about it whatsoever. Um, that was, that was so incredibly me and I wish I had a Seth Rogen who came and 
Pete Townsend my guitar into into dust mm. uh, before I could could send a couple of those songs via MySpace oh. um, to 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 people who I was uh, interested in. It was very um, common at Liberty for worship majors to like play their guitars around and try and mm. like pick up chicks with how spiritual they were and uh they would play it by the fountain or by the tunnel there was like a walking tunnel and um i was in a coffee house video where where we made fun of that where i was uh a worship uh student a worship major playing my guitar trying to talk about how i wanted uh god inside me and uh you know trying to pick up pick up pick up uh chicks at the tunnel and someone runs by and just like doubles back and grabs the guitar and uh broke it on me and uh (laughs) this this was like a visceral memory of being in that very fun liberty university video because the boy howdy did that did did every single one of those dudes suck they were all skeevy and everyone saw through it and it was gross the, the guitar guy at on campus is definitely a universal college experience, I feel like. I don't know if, if that's also your experience, Evan. Um, but, yeah, they genuinely all suck. And I'm not surprised that Liberty University would have their, like, you know, take it to the next level of, of, of spirituality uh, behind their guitar guys. Um, I don't want to, like, I don't want to say it could never happen. But the degree to which um, these boys are absolutely like not even on on anyone's radar as far as like romantic partners to, you know, the captain of the cheerleading squad being like coming out and like hugging and holding them um, to comfort them because of their, their dying friend. Uh, I don't care how dead your friend is yeah, going to be. Contrived. That, yeah. that was that was a a. a on a dime turn that made mm. no sense at all that even before that happened, they had invited them to their cheerleading competition. It, it was, it was all, it's all very, uh, convenient and forced. Yeah. Not, not a thing that happens. No, 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 no. I, I, I hate to be like clicky and like talk about like the hierarchy of high school, but there's a hierarchy of high school mm-hmm. and, and it's shitty and bad. And I hate that it exists, but you don't get to just like, hop a couple of ranks uh because you i don't they didn't even do anything because they rejected to go to the sci-fi convention uh and uh and, and decided that they were gonna hang out with with girls instead that's not a that's not an avenue to popularity yep yep i was very i was very bored with the cheating so also like oh i hated the puppet so well, the, the puppet, puppet was, was the puppet was weird. I was very bored with the cheating story, and like I, I, I don't think this is like a fair criticism because I guess it's not bad writing. It's just like bad being a human. Ing, um, d- I, I was frustrated with the mom being like, "Oh, we're um, we're focused on raising you, and we're not going to sort out our marriage." Obviously. That's not working because your child is going through this terrible turmoil about this whole thing. Like, so just like as a general PSA, don't ever 
not get divorced for the sake of your children because your children can tell that you hate each other. Children mm-hmm. aren't stupid. Like <laughs> if you what I go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, just if th- there have been studies done on this, I don't have them in front of me, so I can't cite anyone for you. But um, this whole like don't get divorced for the sake of your children thing is terrible advice. Uh, divorce is traumatic. Uh, your children will have a hard time during a divorce, and that sucks. However, your children will have a worse time growing up in a home where the adults hate each other and are, uh, like, cheating on each other. Because the children know they're not stupid. They can figure it out, and it will just be an ongoing trauma for them. So, uh, just don't do that. And like I said, I can't, like, chalk that up to... It's not bad writing because definitely in the real world, people do that and feel that way. Uh, So it's not as though they just made this nonsense rhetoric up for the show. But uh, just saying, don't do it. It's bad. What I took away from the scene, and this is probably more headcanon, is that um, Sam or um, Neil's mom didn't actually know that she may have suspected it. But like Neil confirmed it. We see like right at the end, there's like a very, very tense scene with the two of them in the same room, not looking at each other. And Neil's mom looks very, very angry. Um, And, you know, it still is a point where it's like, you know, she's doing that to be like brave or like put on a, a, a good face for Neil. But even that it's like, you know, show show your children that you have emotions, mm-hmm. you know, show talk to them, work, work, work through stuff with them. Um, yeah, whether whether or not that was the intent or not, that's kind of how I took it away, because it the fact that both his brother and his mom already knew. Um, again, if that was not the case, then they didn't make it clear enough. Um, but it just seemed like better writing if like his mom didn't his mom knew, but actually she didn't. Uh, and that's what I that's what I took away. Point still holds still bad, still, you know. Clearly, the plan is to keep the status quo, Mm -hmm. which is the whole point of the show, it seems like. Mm -hmm. Just keep this. Don't do what uh, or do do what the high school musical song stick to the status quo tells you to. I don't know anything about high school musical, but yeah, sure. Yeah, there's a song called stick to the status quo. And it's all about very self-explanatory. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. It's it's that that's what it is. yeah, the puppet was weird. I will say that Sam Levine, Sam Levine, yep. is it Levine or Levine? We have not known the entire time, okay. and so I, I refuse to learn now. Okay, well, Sam, the actor, visibly gets better doing it, which was fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because like he starts out really bad, and by the end, he's doing like. A pretty decent job. Uh, and then the final performance with it, you can tell he's really like emotionally upset and he's not as good at it then. And like, that was a really good touch. Like, good job, show. Yeah. But what a weird fucking idea to be like, oh, this kid's really upset about his parents and their like failed marriage. And so, so he's, he's going to get really into ventriloquism. Yeah, just like, bonkers plot choice just it just it really like 
I, I understand. Like it does. I can tell like that. That was what they were doing of like, he's getting better at it. But like the separation that the character was doing between like, Oh no, Gordon, whatever the, the puppet's name was. Um, no puppet. Don't say that. Like it almost seemed like they were going in a direction where he was going to like, have some kind of like a split personality thing where like yeah the puppet was the one way he was going to be able to share his true feelings against like the character's will um and it was and and also it's just a creepy ass puppet that you would see in like a goosebumps episode there was, so like, there was that little girl on america's got talent who was an amazing ventriloquist and she had like talked about how she's really shy and introverted and by doing ventriloquism, it's helped her like come out of her shell. I don't care who you are though. You do not bring your ventriloquism puppet to fucking high school. You don't do it. You don't do it. Maybe if there's a talent show, you do an act, but him just walking around with the puppet and like practicing in the cafeteria. No, I don't buy it. I don't at all buy it. Uh, yeah, and like, yeah, it just, just bonkers writing. Just, just, it, just, it, it didn't ring true at all. And like, this show is best when its plot points like are relatable and ringing true. And right. this was an entire episode where like, I don't buy the main premise. I don't buy it at all. There's, there's zero chance that this is a real life thing that people in high school do or deal with. It just really seemed like he was like disassociating. And so I was, I was fully ready for like the last scene to be the puppet saying like, and my dad's cheating on my mom. And for Sam to be for, um, I keep calling him Sam for Neil's character to be like, no, no. And like be upset about that. And I was like, I, it just felt so weird. If that had happened, I almost would have bought the other yeah, shit because well, then it's like, it would have oh, contextualized well, the puppet better into you know? like this yeah, really yeah. extreme right. circumstance. But as it stands, he didn't have this, you know, horrible breakdown. And it right. was just weird, bad writing of, of Neil bringing this puppet to fucking school. He, he has been doing like, comedy bits the entire time he could be just have been doing stand-up like that could have been like the, the the thing at the end that really like led him to like his his breaking point of telling his mom like mm-hmm. it the introduction of this weird strange puppet like he was in class and like riffing with the pr- teacher and that got him detention like that could have just been the whole thing is that he's a smart ass now because he's acting out like why the why the it's like they found the puppet and they were like oh we gotta work this puppet in yeah yeah um, they got it in a, a warehouse prop sale and they were like oh shit yeah look at this puppet doesn't it kind of look like uh oh, what's his name sam levine the actor doesn't it kind of look like him let's have him do something with it uh i <laughs> there's there there are there are fun things in this episode uh we are we are way over time at this point yeah but um, Lindsay's parents listening to Squeezebox by The Who. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Them dissecting the lyrics. Right. Yeah, yeah. Her, her being very innocent and saying it's about an accordion, which, like, I think it is. Of course, it there's is, innuendo yes, in there somewhat. Nom- <laughs> uh, ostensibly about an accordion. Right. And, and her, her dad 
with everything but like shoving his finger through a hole in his other hand was like, no, it's about it's about in and out. That was that was a fun little cute scene between the two of them. Um, but I, as I said, we are way over time. And uh, any, any final thoughts on these three episodes? Boy, howdy, we got lots more to go. Mm. I guess that, no. The next three we'll last one. Yeah, we only have one left. one Andy Pendy left about yeah. the, about the freaks and geeks. Yeah. Um, Who's picking last next? Chance. I think you, Ronnie, right? Is it my pick next? Yeah. I think it might be my pick. This was I Evan, right? Absolutely. Yeah, no it idea. was my pick. I had absolutely no idea what I want to do. Get thinking. Um, so get on get on Twitter and influence me. I am I am nothing if not putty in your hands. Um, and also. Get on Twitter and, and let us know if you want to guest and, and talk about Freaks and Geeks for the finale. Give um, us insight. Give us insight. Help us understand what's going on here. Uh, again, affirm my uh, my bullshit theory that this is all just a uh, commentary on uh, Generation X inability to uh, really affect change. This um, really is like generation x's show yeah 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 and they can look back on it fondly and say wasn't that weird while they like have a monochrome of generational wealth Mm -hmm. that of course us millennials do not yeah um wasn't it wasn't it weird how we smoked weed in high school and didn't you know just had weed in our locker and and it was you know it was fine um we were white so it was fine Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so next next week we will be watching uh, 16, 17, 18 of Freaks and Geeks. Uh, I, I say it's the last chance for you to guess, but we've had lots of retrospective, so we, we will happily go back. Mm-hmm. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at PendingPod. Uh, remember, it's, it's Meme City this weekend, so hop in there, engage with the memes. I've got lots more coming. I, I, I've just been generating them all weekend. Um, all week. Engage. And, uh, engage. Engage with the memory. Engage with the memes. Um, and engage with us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash WTM radio. It is a joint venture between Ending Pending, Force Friends Rewatch, and Fan Fiction is good, actually. Excellent episodes. There's always new content up there. There's, vi- there's, we, we actually put an old, uh, fun necessary video up there. Um, that's uh little babies little babies before they knew how to be media people yeah uh andy and ronnie floundering Um, around just just wandering around with takes that were cold and probably wrong the great jedi Um, or dumb take was good yeah we we, i mean that's that's a video that still gets comments from time to time great jedi are dumb Um, I think I think Andy's position on that has changed somewhat, actually. No, fuck the Grey Jedi. No, still okay, hate him. Okay, okay. Um. Anyway, yeah. There's there's a there's an unreleased, previously unreleased, fun necessary video up there on on comic book replacements and uh, new episodes uh, of you know all of the shows except for ending pending basically are dropping early. You get early access to all those. And there's going to start being some bonus episodes for uh, Fan Fiction is Good, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if we wind up with 15 patrons at any dollar amount, I will do an episode on ABO, a.k.a. Omegaverse. You don't want it. You don't want to hear about it. But you're going to. You're going to click on it out of morbid curiosity. You're going to learn some things. You're going to learn so much. Um, 
So please give us money on Patreon. We are very close uh, as far as stretch goals go to unlocking uh, my drunk episodes, um, which is fun. Uh, I think we're only like five dollars away from that monthly. Yeah. Um, so uh, be sure to, you know, go check it out. See if you can uh, push us over the line and and I'll get a little bit toasty and talk about a uh, a very different show than what we've discussed th- thus far. Uh, Andy, how do we how do we finish these episodes off? Uh, the first pride was a riot. Yeah, trans rights. No cops at pride. No cops at pride. Give us money. Give us money. Pay us money. No cops Give at us pride. Money. Give us. We are. We are. We are queer creators. Give us money. Give us money, or you're homophobic. <laughs> <laughs> Where They May Radio.